So we're going to continue in the series, The Kingdom of God Today. And this is part four. And last week we, we were talking about the superiority, the superiority of the Spirit. So there were some biblical truths that I've been covering co- pertaining to the Kingdom of God. And last week was number three, the superiority of the Spirit. And we spoke about Jesus, the King. He was in Luke, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He declared what his mission was, what his purpose was. And it was just fulfilling the prophecy that the the prophet Isaiah made back in Isaiah 61. And Jesus went about teaching and demonstrating the good news of the kingdom. So he came to preach, to share and demonstrate the good news of the kingdom. And he did exactly what he declared. Jesus never deviated from his mission and his purpose. Never deviated from his mission and his purpose. And that is a reminder for me and a reminder for you. For whatever God has called you to do, don't let anyone distract you from what he has called you to do. Because he hasn't called all of us to do the exact same thing. Right. So in Matthew, I also refer to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. When Jesus went about Galilee, Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he was also healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Likewise, he also sent out the disciples, instructing them to do the same. Heal the sick. And say to the people that the kingdom of God has come nigh you, or come, or come, it's near you. And what we talked about last week also was wherever the kingdom of God <clears throat> was, people benefited. So the, the disciples, Jesus told them that to tell the people while they were healing the sick and so forth, tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you, or it's among you. But the people who they were ministering to benefited from the kingdom. From the power of the kingdom. Because the good news of the kingdom is that the captives have to be set free. Right? You know, those, these are the things Jesus was doing. He was teaching and also demonstrating the power of the kingdom. So whatever Jesus did impacted the people around him. And the same he did with the disciples. So the conclusion was that the kingdom of God we know is in us. And wherever we go and whoever comes in contact with us should benefit from our presence. We should leave people better than when we encountered them. Because the kingdom of God is in us. And they ought to benefit from us because we have that power in us. So whoever we affect, whatever our circle of influence, we must always leave those people better than we encountered them. Amen? That's the power. That's the power we have. We know the power of darkness does the opposite. Tears people down. But we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We have to impact people. And bring them to another level. Take them to a place that they never thought they can be. Because this is what Jesus did. Alright? And the disciples did. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We refer to that. Chapters Verses 2 to 5. Paul was saying you won't find the kingdom of God in eloquent speeches or sermons or educated philosophies. He said, but only in the power. The kingdom of God is not, he said, I didn't come to you in eloquence of speech. I didn't come dressed nice, looking nice, speaking right. 
It's the demonstration of the spirit of and of power. He said, so, so we mustn't be caught up in the packaging and the marketing. You know, how people dress. You gotta have your gray $2,000 suit. You gotta wear your red sole, red sole, sole shoes. You gotta drive a nice car. It's ha- that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It has absolutely nothing. Because the Bible also says, you shall know them by their fruit. The fruit is not their dress, it's not their house. But it's not only that, it could be the poor people who are claiming to preach. They could be in raggedy clothes and whatever, but you gotta know them by their fruit. Because they could be what? People trying to, they are, they are people who are high and mighty and low and assumingly lowly, but they're both trying to scam you. So they are scammers who are in the, in the penthouse and scammers in the poor house. So he's like, you shall know them by their fruit. Okay? So we are, we are, we're not to look at people and judge people by their appearance. So there must be evidence. Because when Jesus taught, when the disciples went around teaching, there was evidence of the kingdom because they impacted people's lives. And we also must impact people's lives. So when we meet people and, they, and, they, and, and people have a testimony or a witness, hey, this sister is something. Every, it's something about her. I like being around her. Every time I, I come around her, I just feel right. She makes me feel... I, I, I feel like I can, I can just share my heart. She makes me, she edifies me. She makes me feel better. She makes me feel like I can do anything. That's the impact. That's the impact we want to have when we meet people. Because Jesus, as he said, we are the light of the world. Amen? So the, that's the evidence. The evidence is the testimony people give about your life. How you impacted their life. The influence of the spirit in you, how it impacted their life. I'm just touching on some simple things. Okay, so he was also saying, Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, he said the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So we can preach as much as we want, but if there's no evidence, it's empty. So it, there is the demonstration, not in word, but in power. So there has to be evidence of this life we live in Christ. Like, there has to be. It has to be. Or else, the, or, 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 or else what we're doing, we're wasting our time. But we're not here to waste our time. Because we know there is something we know. And it's, we know it innately by the Spirit. Because when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, there is something you know in you. You can't explain it to people. You gotta experience this thing to, to, to really appreciate it. And I always give the analogy of a woman with, with childbirth. If you've never had, given birth, you can't explain to somebody, they have to experience that. And that is not only the experience of giving birth, it's the love that you feel after you, you give birth to this child. There's a capacity to love you never knew you had. But how do you explain that to somebody? You can't. You cannot explain that. It's something that has to be experienced. And it's the same thing with the things of the kingdom. It's the same thing. And when you have tasted and seen that the the Lord is good and He is who He says He is, you can't go back. You can't go back. So the evidence, there's got to be evidence. So the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. 
And we said when the kingdom of God collides with the kingdom of darkness, there's sparks. There's sparks flying. And we know who wins. Because the stronger man just came and upset the strong man's house. And the stronger man is the Holy Spirit. And the strong man is the darkness. So anytime, wherever Jesus went, wherever the disciples went, healing the sick, because the sick are in darkness. They are held captive. People are demon possessed, are held captive. So when they show up, when the disciples showed up, when Jesus showed up, they displaced the darkness and set the captives free because people are held in bondage. Sickness is bondage, in case you didn't know it. Okay? Depression is bondage. Suicidal thoughts, bondage. When you're owing the man and you can't pay your bills, that you're in bondage. Etc., etc., etc. So we, the wisdom of God is in the, the word of God, is in the good news of the kingdom. And the whole purpose of it is to set people who are in bondage free. Free from what? The power of sin. Because it's sin that keeps people in bondage. I'm going to pick up today from um, another, another truth. And let's go to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. I'll read, I'll read that verse to you. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Okay, I'm going to start reading. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. I'm not going to go into what they were talking about before. But righteousness Peace, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is not in, in the food. The kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if I'm going to get through this, this principle, this whole thing today. Because when I'm, I'm going into it, I'm like, oh boy, I'm getting deep in here, but... But it's something I want you to get. You may know it, but there's one true, one thing I want you to get out of, the, out of this. Lord, help me to deliver this right. So it says righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let me define righteousness. I'm not pronouncing the Greek word. I'm just going to tell you what it, the word it means. Righteousness means just, innocent, holy, justified. Just, innocent, holy, justified. Righteousness. See, that's what the kingdom of God is about. Righteousness. Peace. Irony. Oh my God. When I read the definition, and I checked the definition of the peace, I was like, woo! We know what irony is, but hopefully I get to irony today. And joy. In. The Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. It's righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. So let me go back a little bit and show you an example of what our righteousness and how, how God, how we, be, how we became righteous and what the righteousness in the kingdom is about. And let's go to Genesis chapter 17. I'm taking you back because I want to show you something. Genesis chapter 17. 
I'm going to be jumping around because I have a lot of scripture and I'm like, I have to put this all together so that it's clear. Are you there? Okay, Genesis, and we're going to start at verse 5. So this is God speaking to Abraham. He said, no longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. That didn't happen yet. God said, I've changed your name because I have made you the father of many nations. God is already telling him what he is going to do. He's calling those things as be not as though it already is. I have made you a father of many nations. It hasn't happened yet. God is just saying, declaring what he's going to do. And God is speaking to him like it's already done. God, that's a, whew, that is something. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. Let's go to verse 16. I have to jump around. And now he's talking about Sarah, his wife. It's no longer Sarai, but Sarah. And he's saying, God is saying here, I will bless her. And also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. And shall be a, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart. Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years? hundred years old? And shall Sarah who is 90, 90 years old bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live for you. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Okay, stop there. God said to Abraham, this is who you are, this is who your wife is, and this is what I'm going to do. Abraham laughed. He didn't say in his, in his heart. <laughs> okay? See, you know that's stupid, but it's not like God didn't know. So he is saying, oh yeah, Ishmael. God is saying, no, Sarah is going to bear you a son. He's like, Abraham is like, what? I'm old, she's old. But see, God is talking spirit. Abraham is talking flesh. Whenever God speaks, God is always talking spiritual things. And we have to get our mind in the spirit and not, on, and not constantly on the flesh. But we, as, we say, as I've heard a pastor say, we don't want to be heavenly minded, we know earthly good. So it, God is talking spirit, Abraham is talking flesh. I said that for a reason. Now if you go, that, now this didn't, you watch it, watch something here. Abraham is laughing in his heart. Why? Because he doesn't believe. Okay, so. If we go to, let's go to Romans 4, chapter 4, because every time we talk about faith and we talk about righteousness, we, people always refer to Abraham, but Abraham wasn't always there. He didn't always have it together, but I, wanted to sh- I want to show, oh my God, I want to show you how we who are the seed of Abraham have the faith of Abraham. 
and how our righteousness has been imputed to us. Alright, are you there? Romans chapter 4. Okay, let's start at verse 16. Now, this is the writer of Romans who is talking about Abraham now. He says, therefore, I can't go back to what he was talking about before. I'm just going to let, just let you have it right now. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Oh my God, that's, that's loaded right there. Faith according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all? What did God say to Abraham in, the, in, in Genesis? I have made you a father of many nations. Not talking about the Jewish people. Talking about all. Father of many nations. He said through your seed, which is of Isaac, the promised child... That he was, go- he, that he was supposed to have with, with Sarah, through that seed, that promised child, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So this is, the writer of Romans now is saying about Abraham in the past, he said this, the promise is to not, oh, is to, is to those who have the faith of Abraham. And I'm gonna show you what that faith is. So how did Abraham become the father of the faith, be of faith? Because he was just laughing when God said, your wife, who is 90 years old, and you 100, she's going to have a child for you. How did he get from that to this? So what happened, you got to think about what happened between the time God spoke to Abraham and told him, to when it actually happened. There are some things that transpired in between there, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you, I'm just going to touch on it. When God spoke to Abraham, what happened? There are certain things, things happened before the conception of Isaac. He, had, he, had, he was dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was pleading for the people. So the angels wouldn't destroy any righteous, righteous ones. But we know eventually Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Then, King Abimelech, he lied. Because Abimelech was interested in Sarah. She she cute. I want her for my wife. And Abraham was scared. So he said, you tell them that you're my sister. So when Abimelech asked about her, he said, yeah, that's my sister. And she said, yeah, that's my brother. Now this is this great man of faith. So what happened? He had to... There are certain things that had to happen with Abraham. And when it, when we got to the point now where we're gonna go and start, uh, we're talking about in Romans chapter 4 verse 16, I'm gonna read, keep reading. You're gonna see the shift. Okay. So, we, we read sub, chapter 6 verse 16, and let's start at 17. Are you ready? As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of whom, him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken. You're talking about Abraham here. So shall your descendants be. 
and not being weak in faith. This is Abraham now. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. She is 90. She is post, 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 post menopause. So, so, ain't nothing happening in there. Her womb's dead and he's dead. Okay? Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. We talk about Abraham here and how he's relating to what? To God. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Oh my. I don't know if you're, I am just, this is just blowing me away. Okay. Whew, let me just break it down. So you had Abraham. When God told him he's going to be a father of many nations and Sarah is going to bear a son for him, he was cracking up. So some things transpired and, he, and, so, and there was a shift in him. There was a shift in him. And if you read what it says here, it says, listen to the, the words it's saying here. Verse 20, verse 19. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider, consider his own body. Already dead. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. And fully convinced that what he had promised God. He, God was able to perform. Let me just break it down and bring it to. Uh, to where you all can relate. He's dead. Sarah is dead. Her womb is dead. She is, sex is not an option for them anymore. They just, we just enjoy each other's company. Because ain't nothing, nothing happening. Nothing can happen. But look at Abraham's, and, and what, what, and what did it say here? It says, because he did not waver, because he believed God, it was account, verse 22, it was accounted to him for righteousness. What did Abraham have to do for God to declare him righteous? Take a step of faith. Now, I'm dead. I'm a hundred years old. I can't do nothing. My wife is 90. Her womb's dead. Nothing happening. Look at, look at Abraham's mentality and Sarah's. In the natural, I can't do this. I can't have sex with my wife. I, I can't do nothing. In the natural. But Abraham's mentality was that he trusted God. And he did with his wife what in the natural couldn't be done. But what? You have to take a step of faith. You have to start something. So I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to get graphic or anything. But just think of it. He had to... You have to actually do something and convince in your mind that you can do this and convince that your wife can, can do this also. But what happened? 
you have, oh my God, and this is how God works. As they, because that's a step of faith. Because he can't, he can't do anything in the natural. She can't conceive in the natural. But what they were doing, they were taking us steps of faith. Do you understand that? Because in the natural, it don't make sense. And if you read and look at how God operates, it's always when people taking steps of faith. Then what? Oh my God. As they were taking the steps of faith, doing what they needed to do in the natural for conception, to bring this to pass, God graced them. He gave them the power to do what they couldn't do. Oh my, you didn't hear what I'm saying? Because if, when, remember it says, grace according to a faith, because as you take steps of faith, God gives you the grace to do what you can't do. But you have to take a step of faith. You have to walk by faith. Because things in the natural will not make sense. But you have to step in faith. Because as you walk by faith, God grace you to do what you can't do. If you stand still, you have no need for grace. But as you walk and taking steps of faith, God gives you the grace to do what you cannot do. That's what was happening with, with Abraham. And what did God say? They, what did the writer say? Because Abraham was persuaded. He didn't waver. It was imputed to him. Righteousness was imputed to him. And what does that mean? He was reckoned. It was the conclusion was by God. He is, by, after calculation, that he is a righteous man. Why? Because he believed God. And he took a step of and he walked by faith. So righteousness in the kingdom. How are we? And the, wait, wait, wait. Let me just don't get ahead of myself. Watch here. Verse 23. Okay, verse 22. And therefore, because he was convinced that what? Verse 21. I'm sorry, I keep going back. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now, 22. Therefore, because of that, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Because of his belief. Because he's taken steps of faith. Now, verse 23, it is now written for this, not for his sake only, but that it was imputed to him. What? Righteousness was imputed to him. But also for us, verse 24, it shall be imputed to us who believe. In who? In him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. How are we, how are we, how are, how is righteousness imputed to us? When we believe, but it's not only when you believe. Because when you come to Jesus, you believe, but you also declare with your mouth. The Bible says what? With your mouth confession is made, in your heart you believe, with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when you believe and you confess, what happens? You are taking a step of faith and God grace you for salvation. The Holy Spirit does something. As Abraham and Sarah, as they were, the Holy Spirit did something. Graced them. And Sarah's womb became fertile. This is, this, is, this is a miracle. This is God. Same thing, our salvation is God. But how did we get, how did our the righteousness get imputed to us? Because we believe. And we took a step. Salvation is a step of faith. Everything we do is by faith. 
What we say is not just yes to Jesus, you believe, but you also make a declaration and you make a purpose in your heart to walk in that knowledge. So every time you learn and, you, and, and the Holy Spirit starts teaching you and you start walking in God's ways, you are perpetually walking in your righteousness. Why? Because everything you're doing is by faith. Just go to the next chapter, Romans 5.1. So because of all we just read, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Woo, stop there. We have been justified by faith. Justified means what? Righteous. Declared righteous. Imputed righteousness. Why? By faith. By faith. Okay? So the righteousness of the kingdom of God. Because it says the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So that righteousness is imputed to us as we walk by faith. Amen? Amen. Hope you all got that. Okay, let's just go to um, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. It says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Let's stop right there. What I want you to get in there. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit. You hear that? We purified our souls in obeying the truth. Through the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that the truth that has been revealed to us, we submit to it and walk by faith. Because you're submitting to what you've learned by the Spirit. When you submit to what you have been learned, what you've been taught and what you learn by the Spirit, you're walking in the light. Amen? And when you're walking in the light, you're walking in holiness. And right, you've been, and righteousness is perpetually imputed to you. So when people talk about be holy, holy has nothing to do with how you dress or what you eat. It's a state of walking in perpetual obedience to the word of God and the spirit of God. Walking in the light. That's what it means to be holy. Walking in the light. Because it says here in verse 22, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Amen? So we have to examine our walk and remember how we came to be justified. We didn't become justified by works. We came, became justified, justified by faith. By believing and acting on what we believe. That is what Abraham did and Sarah did. They acted on what they believed because of what God said. So they acted by faith. 
And if you go back and read the previous, um, about Abraham and the circumcision, righteousness was imputed also to him because of that. The circumcision, but the circumcision was a, 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 a seal or a sign of his righteousness before he was circumcised. So that the righteousness is imputed to whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Oh my God, that, is, that just blew me away. So it's all an act of everything Abraham did was, was by faith. Whatever God said, he did. And it's the same thing with the word and the spirit. Whatever we do, we do by faith. What? In obedience to the word and the spirit. And as you walk in the light, everything is tied together. When you obey the word and the spirit, you're walking in the light. You're not walking in darkness. So we got to examine our walk. Don't let people trip you up and tie you up. But with anything, with anything, we are to walk in liberty. But we can't, not in arrogance, in humility. The humility allows us to be free. Because the freedom comes from the Spirit. And when we walk in by faith, as we believe and as we do, as we act by faith and do what we do by faith, something happens in the Spirit. God gives us, you see, that's why <laughs> many times, you know, I'll be honest with you, I prepare and sometimes I'm up here, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm, I say, well, I don't know, Lord, I, I'm inadequate. Trying to prepare stuff, I'm like, Lord, I don't know, I'm inadequate. But then I see, I see the hand of God just takes over. Because it, I'm up here by faith. I'm ministering by faith. Our gifts that we, that the Holy Spirit gives us, we have to minister, to, minister them to the body by faith. Everything we do is by faith. And once you get caught up in yourself, you, you, there's no grace. Because you, you, you caught up, it's all about you. I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to use you as you just try not to be scared. And when you pray, you worry, I can't pray. I can't pray in front of people. I don't know what to say. Shut up. <laughs> Open your mouth. And if, you, if your, your motives are right, the Holy Spirit will use you to touch somebody. Get out of yourself. Open your mouth and let the Holy trust Him to, to give you the grace to pray. And He will do it. Oh my God, it's not, it doesn't, it's not hard, is it? But oh my God, we gotta get out of the way. I'm talking about myself, you know. But, I gotta continue this next week. <laughs>